Blog Talk Radio. It is Monday, September 9th, 2013, uh, at a special time this week, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, the one and only Broadway medic, Tamika Kid. Tamika, how are you? Hello, how are you doing? Good, good. So, uh, we have an exciting show tonight. We have Americana electronic uh, artist, uh, Arthur Lee Land. Um, so, he'll be yes. up in just a bit. Are you watching this uh, this tennis match? Am I going to be in trouble if I say yes? (laughs) (laughs) No, because I think it's in both of our peripheries. Yeah, dude. I I just, I know Nadal is going to take this. And like I said, he's the only guy that can look cool walking around a black box in New York City during Fashion Week and it's the (laughs) U.S. Open. So that, I just, this, I, I, I watched yesterday's match. I'm watching this one. But, to see the physical collapse of such another extraordinary competitor is absolutely stunning. I have to say that. You know, being, yeah, it is. being you know, an athlete as myself, you know, having been on the rowing team, and then knowing when you know you got your competitor beat, but they still won't go away. It's almost <laughs> tennis. It looks like they're swatting away flies at this point. <laughs> there they was. Flooding away thighs? Flies at this point. It's like, go away. I'm going to kill you with this ace serve and then go away. And then you're still not going away. So it's it's intense. What the hell? Oh, something's happening right now. I think people are making too much noise or something. For me? No, not on my end. No, sir. No, 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 no. I'm saying, like, I noticed that the players... By the way, we're watching the Djokovic-Nadal U.S. Open final and... Just now, Nadal bounced the ball like you know thirty times, like he always does. But then uh, they stopped, and he had to walk around a little bit because the crowd was cheering too much. Well, you know it's Queens too, so. <laughs> and that you is know? it. There you go. Rafael Nadal just won the U.S. Open 2013 men's singles. Yay! Oh, he's that emotional. Yay! I'm surprised Djokovic didn't have a better fourth set. I feel like the third set was close enough that, that the fourth would have been close. Djokovic could have taken it. We could have watched the fifth set. That would have been – that's what everyone wanted. I, kn- I know you wanted the fifth set, but these guys played their – just like the women uh, did yesterday. They played their hearts out. Now he's crying. Because I, I would cry after that, too. If, if we weren't doing this right now, I would probably cry. Because that oh, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. The, the worst is when they cry when they lose. Like, Federer cried when he lost a bunch of times, and that was just kind of made it seem pathetic. But it's it's wonderful if they cry when they win. Well, and I will say this for the women's match yesterday, uh, you know, the loser of that event, uh, what was her name? Azokovic? Or no, no. What was the woman that played Serena? Azarenka. Azarenka. She had tears of frustration, but the fact that they both played to their peak doesn't even matter. There's no shame in either one of their games. It's just that Serena won. So. Yep, that's what you want to see. And then there's nothing like uh, when two players give it their all on the uh, finals at night at the U.S. Open in New York. So, Tamika, I have two fortune cookies in front of me. Which one is your fortune and which one is mine? I don't even want to play that game. You know, I set stuff on fire. Don't do that. <laughs> have, you, have you learned nothing from your improv courses? You're supposed to say yes and. So which one is yours? Yes and. Yes and. The left? The left. What? Okay, so the left. I'm going to open... I'm going to open this one first. This is the left one. This is Tamika Kid's Fortune for tonight, September 9th, 2013. I'm nervous. And so am I. It says, 
Oh, nope, that's the side in Chinese. It says you will enjoy you will enjoy good health. That is your form of wealth. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. That's good enough. Um yeah. and let's see what mine says. I've been getting some real ridiculous ones lately. I guess you've been eating a lot of Chinese food. Yeah, there's something about the radio show and Chinese food for some reason. Right, because remember one time I got four chicken wings and uh, pork fried rice, and one of your guests said that was an odd combination, but it's totally normal here in New York. I don't understand Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, I love how they put chicken wings on the on the house specials, like as if that's like one of their <laughs> specialties. You know, they always put French fries and chicken fingers and chicken wings. So here's what mine says. And like I said, I've been getting ridiculous ones. It says, turn off the TV and the computer and exercise your mind with a good book. Actually, that's I'll take that, too, because I was just thinking I need to do that anyway. That's what was written on your fortune cookie? Yep. That's a lot for a fortune cookie. Okay. No, it's very, I've been getting these very specific ones. It's it's a bit uh, disturbing. The, the funniest mm. was when uh, John, John Weeks... Uh, the co-host of the backstage show, his mm-hmm. and I see I see it right in front of me now. It says life is a struggle. Life is not a struggle. It's a wiggle. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking of the wiggles, the Australian little children's group thing. So I don't know. <laughs> some some um, of them are cute, but I don't know. So do you ever have problems sleeping? Of course. Okay. Let me tell you, guess how much sleep I got last night, Tamika? About two hours? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And it was like, I, I'm, I usually am, like, I'm, I've never been a good sleeper, but I'm usually not that bad. It's a bit extreme. Um, but uh, what had happened was, was I was up all night, and then at, like, 7 o'clock a.m., and, of course, I got to get up uh, around 7 usually, but I, I was like, all right, I'll just rush and get up at 8. So at 7 a.m. I finally got to sleep, and I had a nightmare where I was doing a temp job where I couldn't even stand on the floor because there were so many cats and rats and rats all over the place, and they were all just scurrying at my feet. So then I got up on a chair by the refrigerator in, like, the kitchen of the office, and this cat jumped up at me and was, like, going to scratch me, and then I jumped out of my dream, you know, and my heart Are you serious? Uh, jumped. And that was a half. So I only slept until 7:30 when the cat attacked me, and and that was it. Are you serious right now with this story? Yeah, this really happened this morning. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think that dream means? Well, I almost want to say maybe you've seen some of my Facebook posts or posts of what is has taken place in the office that I'm in, but also, you know. The cat thing, I don't know. That's a lot. That's really a lot. I have some sort of fear of cats that I don't know about. Or something. I am allergic. Oh, that's the other thing. I was having like a tremendous allergy attack last night uh, that kept me up as well. And maybe that's what, uh, maybe I was just like surrounded by furry stuff I'm allergic to. Maybe that's what that meant. That's okay. I'm, I'm going to leave that comment alone. <laughs> so how about this uh, George Zimmerman getting arrested for domestic violence today? Mm, you know, I I'm going to leave that alone, uh, and I'll say this because it's your show. God has a way of working things out. So. That individual, at least if he was in my presence, again as a as a medic, I guess you know Hippocratic oaths do no harm, but I I really struggle with that individual being able to um, still walk the face of the earth. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. the best way I can say it. Okay. A hundred percent agree, and I hope he uh, rots in prison and rots in hell and, and all that. And uh, you know, uh, it's it, oh, uh, wherever, who would have thought? 
Well, it's not that somebody who uh, shot an un- and killed an unarmed minor that was going to visit his father, who would have thought that that person would have more violent incidents after that if he was let on the loose? Yeah, I just, I don't, that's something that you, at least for me, that I have to let go of in the extent that there's nothing that I can do for that individual. Now, obviously, again, if he were bleeding in front of me, to be perfectly honest, I would have to assist. But he's he's not here in upper the United States. He's down in Florida, which is a whole different country, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So yeah. I don't. I just I just I, I just don't know. I don't want to say anything that could get me into trouble. But it's just I that guy. <laughs> That's why you got to say it's that guy. I don't know. <laughs> Uh-huh. No good. Well, we have our guest, so let's bring him on. Our guest tonight is an electro-Americana artist who just released his fourth album entitled Cracked Open. Tamika, i got to cue up the applause here. Here we go. Please welcome to the program Arthur Lee Lang. <laughs> Hello, Thank Arthur. You. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Ryan? We're doing okay. Um, so Hello. you are, we, you're talking to me and my lovely co-host, Tamika Kidd. Uh, we're in New York. You are where, in Colorado? Lions, Colorado, yep. What's your co-host's name? Tamika. Hi, how you doing? Tamika. Hey, Tamika, how are you? Oh, good, good, very good. Excellent. Good night. Uh, we, we were just discussing the, uh, the U.S. Open final. Did, were you watching at all, Arthur? Uh, no, I have no TV. Netflix. <laughs> I had a feeling on my with computer. The, uh, a Colorado artist, I had a feeling that maybe that was the wrong question to ask. Um, Netflix. <laughs> Netflix. Now, Arthur, let me tell you, let me, I, I agree with you. I don't have cable either. I do the Netflix, uh, but, I, but I have the, the rabbit ears for stuff like this. Um, but can you tell me, sir, how come your heart feels cracked open? <laughs> well, uh, I think it was uh, Marion Woodman, who is a, a Jungian analyst, who had said that the three ways that people crack open are death of a loved one, um, heartbreak, and he- uh, healing cri- health crises. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I would say my... Uh, Probably health crisis had been my most. Uh, it was, it's interesting because I co-write the songs with my lyricist and wife Carol Lee, and so that song cracked open. She wrote back, uh, um, you know, obviously prior to recording the record, and uh, and then after the record, and after playing it and singing it and recording it so many times, I had a bunch of things happen, uh, health health issues that really kind of cracked me open in a whole in a whole different way. So it's an interesting kind of time frame for her crack open process to happen, you know, during writing the song and then mine to happen after the record, you know, was done. <laughs> wow. And you're uh, referring to the vocal problems that you went through. This must be especially scary for a, uh, a vocalist. Yeah, you know, the thought of losing your voice completely and having no voice uh, is definitely uh, is definitely uh, an intense thing. And then as well as uh, uh, having this hyperthyroid Graves disease thing happen uh, after I dropped a, a uh, full propane tank on my right big toe and almost cut it off and then took oh. a tetanus shot. And then this tetanus shot basically... Uh, uh, you know, triggered this whole autoimmune disease thing. So I've been dealing with that too. So lots of uh, interesting things. Jesus. Uh, Tamika, have you heard of that? A, a, a tetanus shot giving you uh, an autoimmune disease? Yes, to the extent that listening to everything that he was going through already, his immune mm-hmm. system, and hi, hello, Arthur, pleasure to meet you, you know, even over the radio here. It's just uh, your immune system was already 
crippled at some point and then to go through that. But I'm glad you you did not lose your toe, correct? No. No. Okay. There was definitely... and, and, that, and that's wonderful to hear that you didn't lose your toe, so that means you still have good circulation. And then, you know, whenever people need to remember, whenever you get immunizations or certain, you know, certain shots, tetanus included, it's injecting the actual virus into your system so you don't get sick, but if your immune system is already crippled, that could cause complications. That's all. Well, there's, yeah. I'm I'm glad glad you're okay. (laughs) Dang, man. And I I listened to some of your music earlier today, which even talking to you here in the past five minutes, it's very self reflective of what you have um, been able to go through, you know, and come out on the other side more positive, you know? Yep, that's that's what life's about. <laughs> yeah. How do you think that going through these health issues made you stronger as, as an artist and as a person? Well, the vocal thing was uh, really an awesome thing because I had to relearn to sing and rebuild my voice from the ground up. And it's just, it's stronger than it ever has been. I mean, I really went through a kind of a transformational process with my vocals on this album. And uh, so that was a huge, huge piece. And the other, the other stuff is still, you know, it's still in progress. It's, uh, you know, I believe that uh, health issues are, are here to teach us something. And, uh, and it's always a uh, a process of self growth and and you know I, I, when i even when i had the whole polyp on my vocal cord i was told that oh you know you got to do surgery and uh and that's the way you deal with it and i said you know i think i'd like to hold off on the surgery and see if i can figure out what the root cause was and see if i can heal it naturally and that took a bit longer but i was mm-hmm. able to do that and and because to me i feel like if you don't if you don't really deal with the core issues that are creating the situation, then you're not really, you're not really, you know, you can you can you can do surgery all day long and t- and pull something out, but if the root cause that's uh, creating it, you know, is is not dealt with, then it's just going to grow back, whatever it is. Mhm, mhm. Uh, right. So you're kind of getting to the the base of the problem rather than masking it. Uh, and yeah. on this album, uh, cracked open, you recorded a one song a week without knowing which one you guys were going to record until the day before. Why this process? What do you think that added to the album? I think it added a, a something that we couldn't have thought of uh, from our kind of, you know, mind perspective. It really, it was one of those projects that was very magical. And uh, by letting the, you know, we did the first song, <clears throat> and I'm working with this co-producer, and, and it turned out so, you know, we weren't planning on doing a whole record. We were just like, let's do a song. Let's see how it works with the two of us working together. And it turned out so beyond what we could imagine. We are like, we got to, you know, we need to do an album. And then uh, just every week it was like we didn't know what the next song was, and, and it was uh, a really a process of uh, of just kind of what, you know, surrendering to what's next based on, you know, what's coming through. And we had a big, you know, list of songs to choose from, but we didn't really have a, um, it it turned out that Cracked Open obviously was the title track. And then it was kind of informing every other song. And, uh, and then the, the, the way that the album is laid out in terms of the order of the songs on the CD itself is the same order that we recorded them in. And that that was not intentional, right? It just happened that way. It totally happened that way, and I couldn't even I couldn't have imagined a better order if I tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mentioned your your wife before; she's sort of the the Bernie Taupin to your Elton John, if you will. Uh, tell me about your working relationship, and and does she have any plans to join you in performance, or does she stick to behind the the scenes? Yeah, she's a non-performing lyricist. Hmm. She's always a, always been a non-performing like lyricist. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, See, t- Tamika and I know a lot of over-performing lyricists in the Broadway world, so it's refreshing to hear sometimes. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there's. I think there's. Uh, um, it's interesting having somebody who has uh, a gift and a writing gift like she does, but then has known me so well uh, and didn't start off like, you know, we've been married a long time, so, you know, there was a bunch of albums and, and uh, um, music that I wrote all the lyrics to. And uh, it's funny, I just, I did an album years ago when I was living in Minneapolis, uh, uh, and I did it at Princess Studio Paisley Park, and it was funny, we just went and watched the movie uh, called um, 20 Feet from Stardom. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie yet. Have you seen it? No. No. You want to you want to see it? It's all it's about all the the greatest backup singers uh, throughout the '60s, '70s, '80s, and 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 today. It's an amazing flick, uh, and I've got to work with some amazing, amazing uh, you know R&B backup singers for this album I did years ago, and I just posted one of the songs on my Facebook page. But you know, the, my point in the process is that. I, I was singing and writing uh, prior to us writing together uh, for years. And then all of a sudden we started writing together and I realized, wow, she has a whole nother level of lyric writing that I really love. And so, so she does the majority of the lyric writing. And I really think that she's, uh, she's just got a really amazing uh, lyrical hand. And the only song on the album that I wrote the lyrics to was a song called Good Enough, which is pretty autobiographical. Uh, interesting you mentioned that now because I was just going to get to that. This is, uh, you just mentioned an autobiographical song. Um, it's it's kind of, it's uh, the way it sounds is, is a, a feel-good song, and I want to play it for our listeners. Uh, but it, you deal with some dark topics on it. Tell us a little bit about, about the, the content of the song. Well, it's, you know, it came, interestingly enough, I was uh, visiting, uh, going to a music conference in Nashville a bunch of years ago. I think it was like 2009 or 10. And uh, and I was staying in a, uh, a friend of mine's apartment who happens to be the songwriting professor at Berkeley School of Music who has a pad there in Nashville. So I was staying there, and one uh, one morning I was doing my kind of meditative spiritual exercises and uh and at the end of my 20 minutes uh this whole chorus just came through the 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 lyrics the melody and the chords and so i you know recorded a little on, on my iphone and uh and then when i got back home i was uh dealing with uh with some uh health issue and i was dealing with a medical intuitive who said, uh, you know, he was kind of looking at my situation and said, hey, you have some trauma that happened at like six years old. And and so I was like, oh, okay. So that's cool. I can go back and watch the videos because I have my whole life on <laughs> video. Or now it's video. Mm -hmm. Back then it was 16 millimeter. So I basically went to, I went to this place in, you know, the video that was during that time period that I would have been six years old. And I literally turned it on and I came to this place where I'm like on these kiddie rides uh, with these little cars kind of at a at a fun fair type of deal and I was putting on this helmet with these goggles and as I was putting it on I'm narrating so this is like a year later I'm narrating as this is going on because they didn't have this was back a while back and so anyway I said uh, yeah I'm putting on these goggles and this hat because I don't want people to see how stupid I am and I was like what the so that literally you know started the whole process of of the song in terms of uh, the I shouldn't say it started the whole process but the whole process for the verses and mm -hmm. um and so I'm you know I'm covering uh, a lot of uh, you know the areas of of uh, where those messages come from in terms of our uh, you know psychological family upbringing and um and then the you know the last verse uh, gets into the whole sexual abuse thing, and that was that wasn't originally my plan. I had a, a verse about uh, uh, just dealing with uh, yeah, it was just it was kind of a further uh, extension of already what was going on in the song. Uh, and uh, but then I saw a program on uh, 
on Oprah, an Oprah show where 200 adult men uh, came on TV and told their stories about sexual abuse. And I was like, shit, I got to go there. Uh-huh. You got to gotta go holler at Oprah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, I, tr- I did it in a way that I think is, is like, subtle enough so that if you don't really want to deal with it, you can kind of overlook it. Mm-hmm. And yet it's, and yet if you're really listening, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of how I felt when I heard the song. Cause I was like, is he talking about that there? And I'm pretty sure he is, but it, it's a, it, it is a bit ambiguous in a very creative way. And, it, Fascinating. and, and you said, and you said it right. It sounds like a very good, still good song and it is, but if you take the time to listen, it, there are some things there that if someone is not, if they're not paying attention, they won't get it. If they're paying attention, it just makes them think, like, okay, wait a minute, what happened here? So, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. you know, it's definitely, it's definitely heavy and it's it's redemptive. You know, it's a it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a yes. process of affirming the redemption, but. Uh, you know, it's it's just, and I think I don't know if you guys have seen the music video for it. If you haven't I seen have. the music video, have you? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I have, and and that's why I know what you're talking about with the uh, eight uh, the eight millimeter uh, video. It's actually sixteen millimeters. Uh, sixteen millimeters. Eight, eight, eight millimeter. Yeah, the eight millimeter is the actual like uh, the VH or not VHS, but you know, high eight. That's yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's what that's what they that shows at the beginning of it. They were all tra- we transferred it from 16 millimeter to high eight. So that's original footage <laughs> of my life from 16 millimeter footage that you had the sound stripe and then you you know my dad would put all the five minute reels together and then you know once a year or twice a year we'd sit down by the by the thing and, and narrate it. So it's kind of a weird thing to to do that when you're like six years old or five years old narrating when you're like three and four. Uh, you know that was always kind of an interesting thing, but it did give it did give me an, a, a perspective from a psychological viewpoint that I could go back and look at my life and go, oh wow, look at all the shit that was going on, and my and Carol could look at my family and my situation and pick out stuff because she's really very <laughs> very uh, uh, aware, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. she was able to just show me, you know, go look what was going on, you know, and. And uh, so, but he did such a great job, Sear and the, the dude that did the the video, he did such a great job uh, uh, with the whole, you know, the whole place where it goes into <clears throat> that last verse and then the whole, the whole uh, bridge, which is kind of the redemption. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, well, it's a fascinating story, and, and it's a great song. Um, we're going to play Good Enough by Arthur Lee Land, and we will be right back with Arthur and Tamika, the Broadway medic kid. Here we go. Yesterday I watched videos from when I was a boy. Say, well, it took me by surprise. I heard that little boy say, I don't want people to see how stupid I am. It made me wonder who told him all those lies. I carry this with me every day, and I want to let it go. Cause I know that I'm good enough. Wish that you could understand. Price that I have paid to be a man It could have been my big brother I was just a pain in his ass Maybe my mom, cause of her I could never do things right My cheating dad went along with it To keep the peace in the house Now I'm left with this burden and stage fright I was a champion of nothing in my school career Hyperactive I was A guinea pig for the little white pills Super bright But it doesn't apply himself It's what my teacher said They wrote me off Another kid lost through the social ills 
uh, is they're called Parents for Label and Drug-Free Education, and they work to help caregiver or parents and caregivers uh, of kids with ADD and ADHD, quote unquote, uh, uh, to mm-hmm. give them the resources and the information to help them make uh, informed decisions when they're getting pressure to put their kids on medication and and all the other myriad. Uh, uh, elements that go along with, you know, being labeled with a disorder when it's, you know, there, there's a lot more to it than that. They, they, those guys turned me on to a, a, the, the gifted and talented checklist, which is the same checklist for the ADHD. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so you know that that was my next question. We got you over here. Uh, we, we, we don't play around. Um, so the able child, uh, now when you say um, that, uh, you know, it's sort of a so-called ADHD, ADD, are you um, against using uh, any type of psychiatric drugs or uh, are there exceptions? W- what's your opinion on that? I am not for or against it. I think that um, my my, my where the angle that I'm coming at it from, because it's a complicated issue. Uh, number one, mm-hmm. number two, you know, there's uh, number two. There's been kids that it's helped, and there's been tons and tons of kids that it's totally tweaked. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. um, so I think that it's the parents' job to really assess that situation. And there's a lot of pressure because because the because the quote unquote ADHD kids are hyperactive, they're super creative, they're bored in class, they can't sit still because it's freaking boring. It's yeah. like the, you know, and so then we're going to just try to drug them to keep them, like to dumb them down and to keep them, you know, uh, keep them interested. And yet the kids have to go to school and they got it and they have to, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated issue. So my point is coming at it from the point of view that, these kids are actually super creative, super highly intelligent, and gifted kids, and they need, they need number one, the support, and number two, to understand that it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not like a disease. It's a different way of learning. It's a, it's, it's, you're gifted in a different way. You're kind of like a hunter in a farmer's world. You know, hunters are like, they're on the hunt, and when they're on the hunt, they're not. They have no. There's no like attention deficit disorder when they're on the hunt. But then the hunt mm-hmm. moves over here, and now the hunt moves over here, and and it's a different mentality than uh, a farmer, which is what our schools are set up for. They're set up for farmers, and mm-hmm. uh, so you know. So I I try to get at come at it from the reframing and the, from the positive perspective of you know this is this is uh you know there's nothing wrong with these kids there's a there is a um uh you know it's a it's a it could be looked at at, as a gift but you have to you have to understand that there's many levels to it inside of the situation that kids are you know the the kids and parents are, are faced with in their school, you know, the teachers with 30 kids in a classroom. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of elements to it. And um, so I just like to look at it as a, a positive reframe on it because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be able to do what I do have if I didn't have that kind of mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and people can check out uh, the organization at ablechild.org. Uh, parents for label yep. and drug-free education. Uh, it's it's fascinating. And you mentioned earlier that you do uh, live looping on stage, and I've seen this used by uh, artists, uh, a few artists, and it's quite impressive. Um, what I've always wondered is, what if one of your instruments is like just a, a half beat off? How do you uh, <laughs> manage to do the rest of the song? I won't. I won't take that where it could have gone, but um, uh, which is, I think Don't you already went it. there. Don't do psychic, it. Psychic, yes, psychic gutter ball. Um, anyway. Uh, oh man, I had no it. idea. Mm. We don't even have to say it, but everyone knows. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> wow. Nika, Nika, you were laughing before I even finished the question. Because I knew where your sick mind was going. Because I was <laughs> new. It wasn't even a 
it wasn't intentional, but yeah. okay, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, I, I think the bottom line line is that you, uh, you know, it's a bit like uh, being uh, without a net, and so um, the part of the, I think part of the, the interesting aspect of the art of live looping for the audience is to see the artist deal with, um, you know, getting them out, getting himself out of. Uh, a, per- a particular situation maybe that, you know, that uh, happens when something doesn't go as planned or uh, um, so it's, it is, you know, it's all happening live. So you, so you have to, um, you know, there is an undo button, but sometimes you can use the undo button and sometimes you can't. It depends on where in the process, you know, you have, you have, you know, screwed up and, and, and how bad the screw up is, you know, how, how far um, that beat is off. Um, so, it, and that's, you know, sometimes people don't even know. So if you don't make it a big deal, it's not a big deal. But if the whole bottom falls out and it's a huge, you know, a huge mistake, then you kind of got to deal with it. And I like to let the audience, you know, I usually like to, make lemonade out of lemons and and make it so that the you know people can actually see the process and and get it all right all right i could i could ride with that um and you play all these different instruments guitar banjo mandolin uh bass african per- percussion you beatbox who sir are your musical influences well that's a Man, it's such a wide, you know, a wide range because I grew up, you know, I grew up with all sorts of classic rock influences and, and uh, you know, guitar players and, uh, you know, the Allman Brothers and Clapton and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and then there was, um, I literally lived in a lot of different um, uh, locations and uh around the country and with each location i lived in i i kind of had an osmosis of a different kind of musical scene and different music and uh and also i got into playing country music uh fairly early on and when i heard the telecaster which is really not featured on this album but <laughs> when i heard the telecaster that pretty much blew me away and i i ended up on a journey you know playing Telecaster and B-Bender kind of Telecaster, which makes it sound like a pedal steel, and did a lot of that, and then and then kind of fused that on top of funk music and on top of uh, different rock stuff and and uh, rootsy stuff, and so I've always been into this whole kind of fusion element. And um, but with this album, uh, and I've been doing the looping thing, you know, since 2000. And mainly I was just using a guitar, you know, electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, a bass, some African percussion, and some beatboxing. And and, uh, and, uh, and then as things evolved, I, I got a, a mandolin came into the picture for a track that I did, uh, you know, a few years back before this album. And then when we did this record, uh, we started working on the first song, Cracked Open, and I, you know, had the acoustic and the mandolin and, and I was like, wow, we're we're really kind of fusing this electro thing with like bluegrass instrumentation, and we need another voice. We, you know, acoustic guitar and mandolin by itself isn't going to work. And I tried to tell mm-hmm. you, and I was like, nah, it wasn't working. You know, the it wasn't the, the album wasn't calling for electric guitar, and the song mm-hmm. wasn't. And so. Um, and so uh, a friend of mine in uh, the town I was living in had a six-string banjo, and I was like, hmm, I should borrow that. And so I borrowed that, and that ended up just being the perfect the perfect complement to the mandolin and the guitar. And I kind of developed my own, like, it's not a, it's not a typical five-string banjo. It's a, it's a six-string banjo, which is tuned like a guitar, but then I tune it to an altered open uh, dad-gad tuning, which gives it a whole different harmonic kind of texture and flavor uh that's different than a uh different than a regular five string banjo with you know that people would either do you know the scrug style with the metal picks or they would do uh or they do like claw hammer and I did this kind of hybrid bluegrass 
guitar picking slash almost claw hammer strummy thing that was like this own little thing I came up with and it just created its own sound. And so that's been like a, that was like a huge part of the, um, uh, the sound of this album was that that banjo became a central theme throughout seven of the 10 tracks. And that was not planned either. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and, and on the album, you, your co-producer uh, was a DJ, Aaron Shear, and, and that kind of brought an electronic house pop influence to, to the music. Why was this important for, for this album? Well, we, you know, I've been listening, uh, Carol and I have been listening to, uh, to uh, some electronic music on Pandora, and uh, we've always kind of liked the, the soundscape element and the atmospheric element and some of the drum sounds and, and just kind of, there was cool things about it that we liked. And, uh, uh, but there weren't a lot of songs. It was a lot, you know, it was, it was more kind of like grooves and, and, uh, you know, um, but I was already, we kind of always had this, uh, idea of like, what would be cool to kind of fuse some of that stuff with this whole Afro grass, you know, folk rock thing that I do. And, uh, and so when I, um, uh, this guy, Aaron, who was uh, living in Montreal doing a bunch of um, uh, DJ stuff and, and remixes for a bunch of famous, you know, uh, uh, top 40 artists, uh, he came back into town and I was like, dude, we should, you know, do something together. Because I knew he was a good engineer and producer, but then all of a sudden in the last three years or a couple of years, I hadn't seen him. He'd been doing all this electro stuff too. So that's when we were like, you know, I was like, dude, I have this, song cracked open and and uh you know let me play it for you what do you think about this and he was like dude i hear it i hear this fusion you know uh piece uh bringing in you know his element like i said the electro house and pop element so and then as we did it uh it was kind of like um it just became something bigger than either of us you know the, the collaboration so his, you know, role in this album was huge. I mean, it it definitely uh it was definitely um a uh, uh a marriage of both of our creative minds coming together bringing the gifts that we have and then letting them this kind of music all of a sudden come out of that. And uh and even the whole kind of idea of of the of the four on the floor kick drum super loud in the mix and then this kind of country bluegrassy bass was like, you know, when we first did it on Cracked Open, we were like, wow, this is weird. This is like, but it's working. It was kind of like we weren't sure at first. <laughs> and then we were like, but this is really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was it was interesting. So it all worked out in the end. Tamika, I hear you chomping at the bit over there to ask a question. Well, I noticed that on the EPK, you know, the electronic press kit, what have you, that... Someone, I don't know if it was you, classified your music as Afro grass music mm-hmm. to merge to merge Af- African or African music, not even African American, African music, then American music at some point with the electronic and jazz and what have you, and then the bluegrass, which obviously is also American. How would you, how would you even approach that? I mean, what I, I'm. I'm still trying to get my brain around the concept of how you came up with this, and I love it, and I and I can follow it, but it's just uh, it's amazing. So, oh, I mean, how did you even come to this conclusion? It's not even well, a conclusion, that, you know. Well, I mean, this is, it sounds like it's the beginning of something even greater. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, it definitely feels like we just scratched the surface in a very you know, in a very interesting way. Uh, but I would say that what happened, like when I, in that in that uh, electronic press kit, the VPK, where it shows, uh, you know, it talks about 9-11 and me going to West Africa and kind of coming up with this idea for Afrograss, which is basically my kind of folk rock and bluegrassy influence. You know, I'm not a traditional bluegrass player by any means, but I love, I love that, music and I love the folk rock I love the kind of hybrid uh, uh, approach of that music uh, or or I should say my 
you know, taking those influences and kind of, you know, making it, uh, you know, my, my stew in a sense. And mm-hmm. so, um, so I love the African percussion. I love the drumming. Uh, and I was just beginning to loop at that time. So I was like, wow, I could, I could, you know, have like an African percussion section, like eight different drums and, and bells and shakers and, and, uh, you know, talking drum and conga and djembe and all that stuff. I could do all that and loop that up. That would be a really cool thing. And then fuse that with the, with the bluegrassy folk rock thing. And that's how the, that's kind of how the Afrograss thing got started. And then I had been doing that for years. And my previous album, Dragonfly, was really kind of going down that road of, 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 um, uh, of that kind of acoustic, you know, bringing in the whole kind of African drumming and, and percussion-y stuff with the bluegrassy folk rock thing. And then, and then this took my element of that and then bringing in Aaron with the electronic and kind of house and pop influence and the soundscapey kind of deal where, I mean, like the thing about digital music is that you can take, like an electronic music, you can take uh, data and, and, and then change it to something completely different. So there's a, there's a sound on Cracked Open that happens when the chorus is, and it's this very haunting uh, atmospheric uh, uh, sound that envelopes the top end. And what it is, it's a cowbell part that we didn't use, that he took the cowbell and then he compressed it, put a bunch of reverb on it, and then tuned it to a pitch so that it had a melody that went along with the chorus and created this huge like like I said, atmospheric part to the song that is amazing and it's a cowbell. I mean, I need more cowbell juice. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever said that before. <laughs> and no one and no one even knows it's cowbell. Hey, but I put my pants on the same way you do, one leg at a time. And after I got my pants on, I make gold records. Right. <laughs> Very good. That's the, All right, Arthur, we have time for a quick game of hot or hot and mess where I give you a list of things you tell me, Arthur Leland, if they are hot or a hot and mess. Are you ready? Wait, what's the second? Hot or what? Hot mess. Oh, hot mess. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's open it up. All right, first up on Hot or Hot Mess, Arthur, she's trending on Twitter right now. Miley Cyrus, Hot or Hot Mess. <laughs> I have no idea, so let's say... Let's, <laughs> I was going to say, Brian, know. he doesn't have a TV. Come yeah, on. He has Netflix. Right. Okay. <laughs> so was, was she Hot or Hot Mess? I'm sure she could go either way. <laughs> right. We'll give her a hot hot. Mess. I don't know what how about I, I don't know what her dad I don't know what her dad would think about that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> You're not friends with her dad, are you? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh how about Adderall, hot or hot mess? I you know, it goes back, I think you could go both ways on that situation. Again, it's all in the it's all in the application. It might work for somebody, and for somebody else, it's going to be totally, totally freaking toasting them. So uh, yeah. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go right in the middle there again. I, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna find me uh, probably a fair, a fair middle path on this situation. But keep coming because I might go one way or the other. All right. How about, um, how about the favorite, Justin Bieber, hot or hot mess. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to freaking ride it again because uh, I have to I have to say that you know I don't think really I don't think there are too many people that make it in the music business that aren't talent that aren't really super talented and 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 really have have it going on. I mean, there's you know obviously there are there are some people who who they've been able to fix and tweak stuff and and uh, but I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I just, I just think it's, I just think, you know, when people go, oh, she sucks or she can't sing or blah blah blah, I tend to be like, you know, it's a taste thing, you know. But yeah, I, I, for the most of the time, I feel like 
if people have made it, they've probably worked pretty freaking hard. And, and uh, you know, and there's breaks and there's all sorts of elements that put people in that situation. And, uh, and that's why you want to see 20 Feet from Stardom. If you haven't seen it yet, go see that movie because it talks all about the difference of why did these people make it and why didn't these people who are the best singers in the world, how come they didn't make it? And they're just is supporting. this the Darlene Love? Is the Dar- is this the Darlene yeah. Love movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes, I did hear about this. Um, so yes. when you just said uh, not a lot of people make it in the entertainment industry without being super talented, I thought you were going to say Justin Bieber's hot because he made it in the entertainment industry without being talented. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I I don't really know enough wow. about him, but a little bit of that I've seen on some of the shows. I can't, I can't, I would not say that he's not talented. I would say that yes. he's definitely talented and, and definitely can yes. sing. And that's a taste thing, but but I would say that, you know, just the fact that it's a very controversial thing means that it could be hot or a hot mess. So I'm right <laughs> in the middle. Well, we all know I, I love her and think she's super talented anyway. How about this one for you? Paper <laughs> towels, are they hot or a hot mess? <laughs> Paper towels? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like depending on what we're going to use those paper towels for, they could have been sitting, they could have been sitting in the RV and the no air conditioning and they're super hot, but that mess on the floor called me to bring them out of the cabinet, take off the brawny and wipe the floor up and now they're a hot mess. How are you going to deal with that? <laughs> That's the most incredible answer for paper towels I've ever gotten. I still have no idea if you've said anything is hot or hot mess yet, though. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having, I'm having, I was going to say, he's been on, very diplomatic. He's been very diplomatic about it. Darlene Love, hot. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Uh, and uh, the last uh, we're going to do, um, how about these damn DJs that all the kids love these days, hot or hot mess? Uh, have you seen the Portlandia uh, bit about uh, the attack of the DJs where, where every, no. everybody, including their grand, it's, a, it's, a, it's like uh, they go to the bank and the teller is there going, hey, you should come out to my show. I'm, I'm spinning rockabilly. And, and then they go to the grocery store and then the guy's trying to feed them his things about being a DJ. And then every place they go and then they come out to their car and there's DJ, you know, pamphlets on their car. And then they're freaking out, and they go home, and their grandmother is, like, now a DJ. And they're, like, <laughs> like, in, like in DJ Portlandia hell. It's so freaking funny. And, and I, have to tell you, I have to tell you a story that mm-hmm. I was you – know, we were finished recording this record, and this guy that we worked on a uh, – uh, we tried to work on a video with uh, uh, that, that didn't really – pull it off, but um, we gave him a chance. Anyway, we were at a party, and he was telling his wife, he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, I, I do what Arthur does. And she's like, really? She's like, well, what, so what instrument do you play? He's like, well, I don't play an instrument. I'm a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Hot mess. <laughs> you know, a lot of my friends, they'll go to these festivals where it's just DJs, and, and I – say to them, I can't think of anything I'd rather do more than pay $50 to go see two guys stand behind a table. <laughs> now, now let, me, let me say this. Here's, here's an important distinction, in this, and I've had this conversation, because, uh, you know, you're talking about, if you're talking about the DJs who are actually creators of content and are mm-hmm. composing and creating content in their studio and doing the whole thing, and then they're coming to perform that, only the performance is really just, you know, pushing buttons. Uh, there are people who are actually pushing buttons and actually mashing up stuff on the fly and, and sometimes looping new things in. I mean, you know, again, it's a, I'm going to be in the hot or hot, I'm in the middle too, because there are super talented, super talented DJs that are musicians, that are super creative, doing amazing things, and it's and it's a it has element of production composition, uh, but you're not playing that live uh, in a way that it is when you're hearing a band or you're hearing an, you know individual playing music or what I'm doing with the looping thing. So 
So you can't sit there and go apples and apples. It's apples and oranges. It's a different art form and it's a different concept. And there are people who are just, you know, pressing the button and, and are, you know, it's not that great. And then there's people who are really doing some amazing, amazing stuff with it. So, but, but live, they are just, you know, a lot of them are just kind of, you know, just triggering stuff right. and playing it and then standing there. <laughs> so so we're gonna, I, I get it coming. Ride the line on that one too, right? Hot, hot, and hot mess. <laughs> I think I think both. I think uh, I think Skrillex is I think Skrillex is hot. I think what he's doing some really cool. Uh, I'm not hip. I'm not I'm not that hip to a ton of the yeah. a ton of the Calvin art, Harris. So I. Pardon? All right, fair enough. Calvin Harris. Yeah. No. No. Okay. All right, so um, I'm, you know, in a way, I'm ashamed that I know I know them, but I guess I see what you're <laughs> saying. Yeah, a lot of it's good. Um, most of it hot mess. Uh, anyway, uh, Arthur, it has been a, a pleasure. Uh, check him out, ArthurLeland.com, and follow follow him on Twitter at ArthurLeland. Uh, sir, hit us up when you're in New York. All right, brother. Thank you so much. It was great to meet both of you, and Arthur, I really take enjoyed care. your. Thank you so much. Thanks for your uh, your good questions. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Take care. Have a wonderful night. Okay. We'll see you all. See you later. Bye. All right. That was Arthur Leland. Uh, Tamika, we are fresh out of time, so I'm going to just say I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying uh, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Uh, secondly, hit the brakes, Florence. Third, I'll be in L.A. next week, so there's no show next week. Uh, and fourth, um, I'm turning 31 next week. How about that? And then fifth, I'll, I'm going to have to go drive in, in California again. I'm terrified. I haven't done that in, like, six years. Oh, God. Well, God be with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, lastly, if you have a Barbie doll, what are you going to do with that thing? Depends on the day, but right now, the the bitch's chances ain't looking too good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know how often I can say it. I'm sorry that I did that. I'm a good person, but, yes, I did deface, deform, whatever that Barbie doll was. You mutilated her. I, 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 I set her on fire. I talked her up a little bit. But, but but I wasn't, like, out of malice or anything of that nature. I just did not like her. So, <laughs> no. well, I don't know. Well, isn't that the definition it. of malice? You do something bad because you don't like the person? Uh, yeah, probably, but I was just trying to get around that. It's okay. It was malice. That's all right. You bringing tamales back out here to New York, so it don't matter. Right? <laughs> I don't know what that is, but sure. Is that a, what is you that? You don't a know what tamales place? are? Wait a minute. You don't know what tamales are? You oh, tamales. I thought you meant it was a restaurant. No, no. No. I, for a restaurant, I would say In and Out, but nobody in their right mind is eating a five hour old burger. So, <laughs> no, you cannot bring In and Out back out here. What you can do I would be get... I would be excited to go back to my burger joint the counter in Santa Monica, except that I've been had it like five times here since the last time we talked. Oh wow. Here in New York? Yeah, and it's it tastes just as good. It's fantastic. Oh, okay. You know what there is there is one in Midtown. I haven't gone. My my forty second in Broadway. Yeah, my big sister called me the other day and she goes, Hold on a minute. She called it this is the worst. She calls she says, Hey, uh, hold on a minute, and then they order. They're ordering in the damn drive-through of In-N-Out while I'm listening to it on the phone, three thousand miles away. Just they're trying to torture you. Yeah, but have a safe trip, my friend. Can't wait to see you when you get back. And obviously, I will thank track you down for your happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. We will see everyone next week. I'm going to leave you with uh, a, a lullaby to go out on. This is. Our guest tonight, Arthur Leland, with Undertow. Good night, Tamika. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, ground control. I slept 
Yet white as 